Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome to Health Matters. Thank you for joining us again this interesting day. Today we're going to have a Quite an, I think, possibly an important visitor today, uh, a physician who is going to be talking to us about Alzheimer's. And Alzheimer's is an extraordinarily complicated and difficult situation. And yet, our guest today, Dr. Timothy Smith, has a, a number of um, experiences and a number of interesting attitudes and opportunities for people who are suffering from alternative decline. He's written a book called Reversing Alzheimer's, How to Prevent Dementia and Revitalize Your Brain. Quite a big promise. So that will, uh, so Dr. Smith will be with us shortly. And I should also mention that Dr. Smith is a, a physician who works in Sebastopol. So he's not so far away. So if anybody's interested in the Alzheimer's matter or has somebody in their family who for whom this is an issue, you might pay, want to pay attention because this is uh, something that's right here at hand and possibly of value to you. Before, before we get to uh, talking with uh, Dr. Timothy Smith, I wanted to remind our listeners that, that now in Sonoma Valley, there are pop-up testing sites, and there's one at St. Leo's on Mondays between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. That starts December the 28th, which is uh, today, or that is it was, it's today, but you, by the time you're hearing this, this will be hearing this on probably Thursday. So, But anyway, December the 28th, it's starting. The, serv- the, ser- the services are scheduled. This is free. Uh, and it's, there's a thing called a curative website, uh, curative.com, C-U-R-A-T-I-V-E.com. They're available in English and Spanish. For those who want to schedule an appointment but do not have access to the Internet, the bilingual Sonoma County hotline is also available to assist in test scheduling you may call 565-4667. Again, for people who don't have the internet or who have bilingual issues, ing- bilingual issues, excuse me, the Sonoma County hotline is also able to assist in the scheduling. Call 565-4667. And again, for Sonoma Valley, our, our neighborhood here, uh, that's at St. Leo's Catholic Church from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Now, appointments will now be given only will be open four days before testing begins, not earlier. As part of the scheduling process, all residents will be asked a series of questions, including insurance information. If they did not have health insurance, they can still get free testing. Residents may also walk up to the testing site without an appointment. Residents must wear a face covering and practice social distancing at all Sonoma County testing sites. (coughs) So again, St. Louis, St. Louis Leo's Catholic Church, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. for free testing. 
I think that's important important news. So please hang with us for just a minute. We'll be back with you shortly with Dr. Timothy Smith and his new book called Reversing Alzheimer's. Thank you. Please stay with us. So let's go on now and read some from Dr. Timothy Smith's uh, preface on this book, Reversing Alzheimer's. As a physician, I have witnessed the horrors of Alzheimer's countless times. The disease killed my mother and three of her four siblings. Watching my patients and loved ones slip into confusion and forgetfulness is dreadful. The mental memory uh, slates of their minds gradually and systematically wipe clean, including even their own identities. Perhaps more frightening is their inability to care for themselves and to protect themselves from danger. My mother, Elizabeth Phoebe, strike that, Elizabeth Footsmith, was an intelligent, accomplished woman, a college professor, an author, a researcher, a musician, and an artist. But despite, despite her exceptional brain, mom ended up completely demented, slumped in a wheelchair in a nursing home, her brain riddled with damage, incapable of understanding who or where she was. No words can express how sad this is. I believe that if we knew 20 years ago what we know today, her Alzheimer's could have been prevented. Mom maintained an enviable level of physical and cognitive health through her 70s and early 80s, writing books and research papers, maintaining an active social life, managing a household with two dogs, exercising every day. Mom was always feisty, but as she moved into her mid-80s, she became withdrawn, irritable, paranoid, cantankerous, and argumentative. She quibbled over trivialities. She started misplacing things and forgetting names. Searching for answers, I turned to the dementia literature. After all, about a hundred years have passed since Elos Alzheimer's published the first accounts of the disease named after him. Billions of research dollars have been spent and thousands of researchers had generated tens of thousands of papers. So I figured there, I figured to find some ideas that might help. I figured wrong. To my astonishment and disappointment, the literature pointed to no medication, no treatment of any kind that could favorably impact the course of my mother's disease or even relieve her symptoms as she slowly declined. In the last few months of her life, mom did not who or where she was. She couldn't identify people or objects. One day I took her for a ride out to the beach to Bodega Bay, and when we got back I asked her if she knew where she had been, and she shook her head. I rolled her. I once rolled her wheelchair over to the piano. Four years earlier she had done performances of Rachmaninoff and Beethoven for family and friends and could discuss the deeper meanings of classical music. Now she stared blankly at the, the keyboard, unable to play a single note, unable to even remember what a piano, <laughs> what a piano, sorry that, what a piano was for. One morning, a nurse, a nurse aide got mother out of bed and into a wheelchair and pushed her down the hall, dropping her off in front of the nurse's station so she could keep an eye on her. The aide neglected to fasten mom's seatbelt. But no one noticed that seemingly innocuous error. Unable to remember that she couldn't walk, mom tried to get out of the wheelchair. 
she fell and fracture, fractured her femur. She was writhing on the floor, agonizing pain. Fortunately, a nurse saw her fall and knew the femur was fractured and quickly gave mom a morphine shot. Mom was moved to a new, nearby hospital. She never regained consciousness. She died 10 days later. That was 17 years ago. If mom went into cognitive decline today, we would deploy a wealth of tools I discuss in this book. We diagnose the causes of her brain disease and reverse them. Her prognosis would be exceptionally good. In the last 17 years, our scientific understandings of how the brain works has seen exponential growth. We've discovered that our brains possess the fantastic ability to grow new neurons from stem cells as needed and can rapidly change their structure and function in response to environment and experience. We also now realize that Alzheimer's disease is caused by multiple metabolic disruptions. Although this new understanding of Alzheimer's is too late for my mother, it has uh, catapulted us into a dramatically different mindset. It has become compellingly clear that in each patient we must identify and repair the unique biochemical malfunctions that are causing the disease. I hope you will find this book useful. If it helps you and your loved ones, I am certainly I'm certain that this would have been made my mother very happy. So that's the preface of Dr. Smith's book, who again will be with us shortly. So please be, be patient. I'll be right back. And welcome back to Health Matters Radio, Dr. Nedho today, joined by Dr. Timothy Smith and his uh, wonderful new book called Reversing Alzheimer's, How to Prevent Dementia and Revitalize Your Brain. Tim Smith, welcome to Health Matters Radio. Thanks for having me. What a treat. What a treat to have you. And for our listeners, benefit, or, uh, for, <laughs> for my benefit, Timothy and I go, Tim and I go back a long way in terms of our medical careers. And uh, we may wander into that a little bit now and again, so please forgive us. But um, probably s some of uh, the listeners will have, have seen the, the programs on PBS and elsewhere about the brain health. And there's been a lot of this out there in the, in the public domain, and particularly uh, David Pearl Mutter's uh, his, his program, as well as his New York Times uh, book called Grain Brain. So um, we've begun to hear about this stuff, and so this is, this is kind of part of what brings us to today. Your, your book, Reversing Alzheimer's, uh, get, goes many steps deeper and taking us into the great health, taking us toward the great health terrors of our time in terms of this Alzheimer's. So let's begin with what Alzheimer's is and what can, what, what causes, and briefly at first, because we'll get into the details, but first, what is Alzheimer's and what causes it briefly at first? Okay. Uh, Alzheimer's is a disease. It's Alzheimer's disease. It's not a, a, a symptom complex. Uh, it's often confused with the word dementia, which is a symptom. Dementia is loss of memory, and it can be applied to lots of different diseases. most common of those is Alzheimer's disease. So Alzheimer's, what happens in Alzheimer's disease is a breakdown. It's a neurodegenerative disease. The brain degenerates over time, usually slowly and progressively, and gradually undermines the brain's ability to, uh, to think and remember. The center 
central focus of this neurodegeneration in the in is happens in a place in the brain called the hippocampus, and the hippocampus is our memory center. It's about the size of a good-sized olive, and it is uh, where all of the memories in our that are accumulated throughout our lifetime are stored. And as the as the uh, integrity of the tissue of the hippocampus gets undermined by this brain disease, we gradually lose the ability to access memories. And I think it's important to add as a kind of a side comment here that that degeneration doesn't mean that it's damaged and ruined. If, if the uh, principles that we'll talk about down the road here today are applied and one reverses the disease, unless it's progressed very far along, but if it's in the earlier middle stages and the disease is reversed using these lifestyle factors that we talk about, the, it's the access to those memories that's damaged, and so the access returns. The memories are never gone. They're just inaccessible due to the brain damage. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that, that's an important, uh, important discrimination. So now you say there's an Alzheimer's epidemic upon us, and so please tell us what that epidemic means, how, how broad it is, and, and, and how we as a society are dealing with it. Well, it's a huge epidemic. It affects one in three people that are alive today. One in three people alive today will die with with uh, dementia, almost all of them with Alzheimer's dementia. They're talking about a lot of people. In terms of if you compare epidemics, it's obviously very different from the COVID that we're all struggling with right now. But uh, about a thousand times more people will die of Alzheimer's when, when all the dust settles than of COVID. Um, it is uh, uh, remarkable that since Alzheimer's discovered the disease named after him over 100 years ago, that there has never been a single treatment for it in, in 110, 115 years until about five years ago. And we're going to talk about that, that development. But it's just uh, remarkable that now we have hope. That up until oh, five years ago, an Alzheimer's diagnosis was synonymous with a death sentence. Now we know that it's reversible, and it's preventable and reversible in 95 to 99% of cases. Mm-hmm. Well, it, when I looked up online, uh, and I, I, I saw a May 2020 uh, pushback uh, to uh, this whole idea from a uh, neurologist at uh, UCSF, and uh, name of Joanna Helmuth. I d- don't recall. I didn't. I didn't I track it carefully. But there was this published comment about how this was completely hopeless, <laughs> and and so yeah, what, what, I'm sure that's the one. So the reason I'm bringing that up is is that that I think of our listeners who hear that from from Dr. Smith here today, and if they go to their physician, not to be surprised if their physician yeah. may have the idea of, well, this is hopeless and so sorry. So uh, this is uh, cutting new ground. This is breaking new new territory for a lot of conventional medicine. So that's when, and one of the ways, Tim, I'm, I'm hoping you'll share with us, and you do it so effectively in the book because you, you give the listeners, that is the readers, so many handholds of things they themselves can do without anybody's permission or without anybody having to agree with anything. 
they can just do these things to take care of themselves. So that's, of course, for me, one of the great values of this particular particular book. But um, so anyway, with the new understanding that Alzheimer's is a multiple multiple system disruption of normal metabolism, please uh, begin to briefly describe how you as the physician are addressing these metabolic disruptions, just in an overview sort of way. Okay, well, it sort of follows the organizational pattern of the book as well, so I'll tell you, I'll answer both questions at the same time. Right. So, so what we do is we look, we start out by looking for what, now, uh, okay, let me back up and say, everyone's at a different stage. Some people have crisp, young, healthy, new brains, some people are starting to maybe get a little older, a little forgetful. Some people have the beginnings of Alzheimer's, and then some people are further down the road than that, and at mid-stage or beyond. So, so where a person starts has a lot to do with what you do. So take that into consideration when I describe these, this process. It really, where your starting point really depends on where you're at, where you're at and I'll try to, I'll try to Take, take all the time you need because this is an this is a you know the beginning of a very the very important topic here so please feel yeah. free I think that I think that uh, for for people that are uh, 40 or 50 years or less it's just just watching blood uh, so we'll start out with testing the first step is to test the second step is to decide what kind of treatment you're going to be doing if any the third step is using brain-enhancing nutrients that researchers have shown uh, stimulate regeneration of brain cells. So there's, there's three different categories. One is testing to see where each, everyone's different, and everyone is going to have a different combination of causes if their brain starts failing. By the time you get to age 80, about half of all brains have have failed, so it's not uh, an inconsiderable amount. And um, but but it, the the starting point and the rate of decline varies, and then the actual causes all vary from one person to another. So so and the the one of the great discoveries that we're going to that I want to talk about is that Alzheimer's disease is multi-causal, which means that. Every, any individual case is going to have a different combination of about 15 or 20 different causes. And we've identified all these causes, and we know how to test for all of them, and we know how to treat them all. And, and I go into every bit of that information in the book. There's a chapter for each of these causes, uh, how to test for it and how to treat it if it's off. And so the, so the, the first step, depending on age, you would test for things like cholesterol and blood sugar and homocysteine, which tells you how, whether you've got enough B-complex in your body, and for vitamin D, and, and they're, they're, I won't go through the entire list, but there are 15 different things that are tested for. And then, you know, most people will be normal on most of those, but you'll see, oh, uh, Joe's uh, got a little mercury in his hair analysis, and it's showing up as, as a, a toxic level. And uh, Mary has uh, sleep apnea, and uh, Sam has, you know, a, a disruption in his gut microbiome. And so we can pick these things up with various tests. And and if they're if they're uh, detected before there's any problem, 
it can, they can all be reversed by uh, applying the appropriate treatment for each cause. So the bottom line here is Alzheimer's is a multi-causal disease, and you have to figure out what your causes are in order to know how to treat it. So the second stage is actually treating it, and that's pretty straightforward. The, if your B-complex is low, you take a B-complex every day. It's, research is very clear on the B-complex deficiency corrected pre prevents Alzheimer's in a high percentage of cases. Uh, if your cholesterol is high, big problem. A lot of people have high cholesterol, and if you pick up on that early and manage it properly, and sometimes it requires drugs, we can't always get it down with just diet, uh, but getting the cholesterol normal reduces risk dramatically. And I could go down the list again for each for treating vitamin D. We take some vitamin D in the morning and get tested and make sure it's up in the optimum range. So, so uh, that's it. And then the final thing we can talk about more later, but it is uh, when a person is starting to get into the what we call MCI, moderate cognitive impairment, then it's a good idea not only to do the things I just described, the testing and treating of the abnormal markers, but to add to that the uh, ingestion of supplements that have been shown to stimulate uh, reversal of brain damage. Uh, I, there's a number of different ways of putting that, but basically that's what they do. They, they grow new healthy brain that's been damaged. So and we can talk about those more later. And then we're right. talking about things like curcumin, berberine, uh, D DHA, which is an essential fatty acid, um, uh, lithium, which is an amazing mineral. We can talk about that too. So, but the, but taking supplements to enhance normal, healthy brain function or to reverse decline is an important part of my book. And right. I think this is the only book that has a reasonable description, a section on that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, of course, part of what, uh, uh, or the, 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 the four, your, your book is in four parts, and, and, it, and that's exactly what I like about it, is that, among the many things that I like about it, is that it, it, it goes into sufficient detail, so any reader who, with a reasonable education, can identify for themselves uh, areas where they could be, they can, they can test themselves, or they can ask their physician to test them, or they can so they can be in collaboration, or they can do it by themselves. They can uh, begin to take steps that will either be uh, help in their preventative uh, pathway, and particularly if uh, if they have uh, uh, if they have a they they see that it's either in their families or that they have a some of the conditions that are that are procreative to the development of Alzheimer's and so on, if they have any of those conditions, then they have this, this you're, you're suggesting in this text that they then take it seriously, that even though, even that they don't here hear now have cognitive decline, that this is productive of, of cognitive decline. So you might, rather than ignore this, the condition which sometimes their doctors may not be as att attentive to whether it's low thyroid or whether it's uh, microbiome distress or uh, whatever the the causative factor may be, the which the which your conventional medicine uh, provider may dismiss or may marginalize, uh, I believe, uh, Tim, you're telling us this is not a wise idea. The wise, the, the the better idea is to take seriously these different elements and recognize that part of what you're doing by taking care of your blood sugar, taking care of your cholesterol, 
et cetera, et cetera, is that you're doing at least one of the steps of protecting your brain, which again is one of the great the gifts of this of this particular teaching. And I, I wanted to I wanted to point out that 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 is as, as I st st stood back and looked at this book, I went this is a this is a treatise on fu functional medicine. And it's in the suggestions that uh, uh, Dr. Smith is making are are fully uh, s uh, supported for restorative uh, processes of all types. So even if you, in other words, you could you could strip out the word Alzheimer's in terms of this book, and and take seriously what uh, Tim is telling us, and you could you could have a health benefit. So you're not only even if you're not worried about Alzheimer's as a, our listeners. You could look at this book as a as a functional medicine guide to restorative health in a broad measure. So it isn't only about Alzheimer's. I mean, the book is about Alzheimer's, but what the benefit of of following these this path is has a much bigger footprint than than merely that. So um, so moving along, um, I wanted to have you tell us about who Dr. Dale Bredesen is and kind of how he's important to your story. Okay. Um, uh, let me just back up and underscore a little bit about what you just said. Okay. Okay. Um, first of all, it, I, I did design it to be uh, almost completely do-it-yourself. There are a couple of things that might require a little bit of technical help, but 99% of the, the information in my book is, is uh, about things that you could do yourself, and it's not that I decided to make it that way. It is that way. All <laughs> right. It is that way. It's not, and it is, I, I explain the areas where you might need some support. For example, if you get your thyroid tested, you can get your thyroid tested and all these other blood tests done without a doctor's order uh, or, or prescription. I, I give a sample test order at the back of the book. You can use that, and you can use directlabs.com as a place to go for uh, high quality, low cost testing. And you, so all these tests you could do yourself, and then for the ten, ones that might be a little technical, like the thyroid, I, I put some extra things in there that the editors wanted to take out, and I insisted on keeping because it makes it possible for a person who doesn't know much about the thyroid to figure out what the test means. So I kept that in there, and, and I did that for all of these tests. I made sure that the information you need to understand what your health really mean is all there for you. You don't have to go to a specialist to find that out. Uh, second thing is, I, I also have to say um, uh, what Dr. Hoke said about doctors, that you're going to find that they really don't know yet that Alzheimer's is reversible, and they're going to roll their eyes back and say, no, no, no. Uh, you may have read some articles about eating a Mediterranean diet or something, but that uh, you can't reverse Alzheimer's. They don't believe it's true. They will, in time, come around because the the research is just unassailable. It's 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 watertight. There's no question that we can reverse Alzheimer's. They just don't know it yet. So so take take that with a grain of salt if you hear it. And the the third thing is. Yes, my book is a, a, a bit of a treatise on functional medicine. I, it really is. I, everything that you do to protect your brain will protect the whole rest of your body, too. So, so let me tell you about Dr. Bredesen. 
<laughs> Actually, before you do that, need, uh, Tim, we need to take a little bit of a break. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Tim Smith, uh, a, a Sebastopol guy. So many of our listeners who are commonly, they hear, I have you know people from all over the country and all over the world even sometimes to join us. And But today we're getting to talk to a physician from Sebastopol, so it's one of our local local yokels, and and uh, but but every bit is, every bit as important as anyone else. So we need to take a break. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Please stay tuned. And welcome back to Health Matters, Dr. Ned Hoke. Today joined by Dr. Timothy J. Smith and his wonderful new book called Reversing Alzheimer's: How to Prevent Dementia and Revitalizing Your Brain. And and I want to remind our listeners, maybe if you come in came in late. We're going to get we're going to try to get into as much depth as we can with this I think important book because I think the not only is the issue of of the avail the the frequency of Alzheimer's ex exploding uh, t today it's it, 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 so much of what uh, Dr. Smith writes about in this book is so widely useful for so many conditions whether it's diabetes or pre-diabetes or whether it's heart disease or cardiovascular disease. So much of the guidance that uh, Dr. Smith is providing for us here has a, a, a lot of, uh, not all, it, it has a lot of primary carryover effect in all, all the, pretty much most of the health areas of the body. So, so coming back to Dale Bredesen, let's, let's find out who he, he is and how he's important to you and to this book. Dr. Bredesen's importance to the book is that he made the initial discovery that you could reverse Alzheimer's by applying lifestyle factors, uh, by testing and determining what were the causes of the Alzheimer's in individual patients, and and uh, that that's going very clearly in his initial research study that that Alzheimer's is a multi-causal disease. And this is an important point, so I'm going to take a couple of sentences here Please. on this. But the, the mainstream medical research industry, led by the, our friends in the pharmaceutical industry, <laughs> right. wanted to think of Alzheimer's as a, as a single disease with a single cause and effect, and maybe just a couple little, couple little causes, maybe not, not multi-causal. They really don't like the idea of multi-causal, as you'll see. And so, but for a hundred years, uh, especially the last 40 of those hundred years, when they really had access to deep thinking about molecular biology and the effects of pharmaceuticals on, on the brain that we didn't have before that, um, they, they focused on trying to find a single, what we call monotherapy, a, a single drug that would cure a single defect in a single biochemical reaction in the brain that had gone astray and was causing Alzheimer's. And they, they clung to the, what, what's called the amyloid hypothesis for very long, uh, clinging to this idea that they could find a single blockbuster drug that would solve the, the Alzheimer's problem. Even, even a decade or two after it became clear that that really wasn't going to happen, they still continue doing it, and to a smaller extent, they're doing it today. Um, there's no question that Alzheimer's is a lot of different diseases. It's almost as, it's almost safe to say that it's a different disease in every single person, mm -hmm. because this has, has a different uh, brain and a different set of biochemical reactions and a different set of genes 
driving that and running the show. And so each brain breaks down in a slightly different way. We, as I said, we've identified these 15 main causes. So we, we well, ca- cancer is cancer is spoken of that way these days as well. I mean, this is exactly yeah. the model is, is very similar, and and uh, they started looking at cancer as multi-causal a long time ago. Uh, I don't know why it didn't happen that way with Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. but it didn't, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been uh, an exceptional mistake. I mean, billions of, the billions someone estimated forty-four billion dollars of waste there on finding drugs that couldn't possibly exist. Uh, to me, the real, the real uh, uh, sad part of it is the time that was lost where we could have been treating these people. That we'd, uh, the, the, the discoveries that Dr. Bredesen put together, and we'll get back to him uh, in a second, that, that he assembled out of functional medicine principles, uh, were, have been around for a long time. And someone could have done what he did you know, 10 or 20 years earlier. Um, there wasn't any, any, in terms of the basic science of it, there wasn't any breakthrough. It was, it was how it was applied, really, that was the breakthrough, and the conceptualization of it, seeing it as one disease rather than many. I mean, seeing it as many diseases rather than one. And so, so that's what he did. He took 10 patients, and he uh, uh, tested them in a way that we talked about earlier, and just just determined what were the causes for each of those 10 patients, and they're all, as expected, different causes. And he uh, designed a treatment program for each of those 10 patients and applied it based on the, the abnormal lab results. Someone that were low on vitamin D, he gave them vitamin D. The ones that had a low thyroid, he gave them thyroid, et cetera, et cetera. And amazingly, and it truly is amazing, he cured or reversed the disease in nine out of of those 10 patients. Um, this is, this, and, and in, remember the day. About, about, when did, about when did that happen, uh, Tim? Well, the, the paper was published in September of 2014. Okay. Did the research right, you know, about a year before that. Okay. And I saw it on a day that I'll never forget, November 10th, 2014, and my 95-year-old mother-in-law, who lives over in Spring Lake Village, uh, she said she handed me this paper, and she, she knew I was interested in the brain and brain chemistry and Alzheimer's, and she handed me this paper, and it was Dr. Bredesen's research study. And I looked at it, and I I just was flabbergasted. I was stunned. The, the, uh, what, I, what I saw, and it was all real technical, it wasn't like the average person could sit down and read this paper and know what it was really doing, but... What I saw was the first time ever anyone's ever reversed Alzheimer's. The first time ever. And um, and, and to remind our listeners, uh, your mother had suffered with this, and you had, uh, you as a family had, I, had, had yes, suffered uh, deeply with this. In 2003, so, my mother died of Alzheimer's in May of 2003, and um, she, uh, there, there was a great deal of frustration on my part as a son and a doctor because there was nothing that we could do to help her except general supported measures, hugging her and holding her hand and talking with her and being there for her. But in terms of any kind of medication or treatment, it worked. There just wasn't any. And that was the case 
since 1905 when Dr. Alzheimer's first uh, spoke about this disease. And it was uh, 2014, as I said, when I saw this paper. So I, was, I really was stunned. I had never, ever, and I would have noticed. If it was out there. And and yet and yet you had already had by that time you had already have how much background in functional medicine at that point? Oh well, um, forty five years. Oh okay, so in other words, you were somebody well, already already well. Back when you and I were going to Linus Pong lectures, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, um, but you know, we called it holistic with a W back then. Right, right. And it went through its various incarnations and and. Um, uh, became functional medicine later, right? So you, so you'd already had been you are you were already a member of the of the, of the for, functional medicine team, and yet you hadn't had the occasion, apparently, nor had anybody else apparently, to uh, to see the consequence, or that is the potential consequence of applying these principles to the Alzheimer's environment. So in terms of the reverse, yes. the the reversing part of it, I mean it's it's I mean certainly anybody with Alzheimer's who had a, a, a functional medicine physician, probably that physician was paying attention to their thyroid, was paying attention to their uh, their blood sugar issues and so on. But the chances are they weren't anticipating that what they were doing could be. I'm just postulating here, but I'm, a, I'm they they, yeah, they no, didn't I, I, they didn't imagine that this was going to be a reversing pr- project. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I think I was on, uh, tried to answer that question. Uh, I think I was prevent and I thought about that a lot. I mean, why didn't I think of this? <laughs> and uh, and the, the answer is, I think that those of us who were using alternative medicine tools were, were reversing it, or at least slowing it down and preventing it in some cases. I was using all the same basic tools in my functional medicine practice. Sure. As, as talk about in the book. We never saw it. I mean, we, uh, we, well, my mother was, uh, my mother was also one of my patients in that sense. We were doing, she was taking a lot of supplements. And so, but, but she, but, but I think that the mistake we made with her, and also I think I almost made it myself, I talk about how I had a, minor stroke in 2012. Um, uh, the cholesterol the and blood sugar and blood pressure problem is, is much more serious and less taken. It's not taken seriously enough. It causes at least half of all cases of Alzheimer's. If you want to call it Alzheimer's, it's really heart attacks of the brain. It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, the same process that happens with a heart attack. It's just that the blood vessels of the brain are... are blocked with plaque and so uh, that that jumped out at me that particular aspect of it we can talk more about that later it's called vascular dementia right Uh, but the bottom line here is uh, if you take all alzheimer's patients half of them have vascular dementia 90 percent of them have both neurological dementia i'll call it alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia which is also called alzheimer's Right. And a living person, you cannot tell the difference. Right. You can uh, do brain scans and see blockages of arteries, and you can assume that there's a vascular component, but it's impossible to know to what extent that's causing the dementia symptoms or the neurologic component. Right. So, so coming, coming back to Dale Bredesen, um, 
he was the founding director of the Buck Institute, I understand. That's correct. And He's so, so for our listeners who, who are local UCLA listeners, right, our, our local listeners who probably are familiar at least with the with Bur- the Burl Buck Institute and this remarkable uh, uh, research facility that we have right here in Marin County. Um, yes, he was the founding CEO and first director. Right. So did did his did his science on on Alzheimer's did that take place while he was in, in, involved with uh, Buck or don't you know? I think I think he's no, I don't know. I okay. think he's still uh, on the board. I think of Buck, but he's not this on it. He's not the CEO anymore. And right. He, uh, I don't know how much time he spends there. He, he, yes, I don't know. Okay. Well, just just was just curious. I didn't because I I never I didn't I didn't ever see anything from him with a Buck name attached to it. But then when I read about him, though, he you know he that the issue of the of the Buck. Thing came up, so uh, now to kind of drill drill down into the weeds a little bit, um, and and you've been talking about. Um, let's see, I'm trying to look at my notes here, and we covered a lot of this already. Uh, well, okay, the key discovery is that Alzheimer's is multi-causal. So I guess st- still with Dale Bredesen in my mind. You're saying, I think you say in your book that he understood the the uh, the multi-causal nature, and also there was another couple of words that kind of go with that the the idea that the um, that the that the metabolism that the micro 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 microscopic uh, area of tissue was where it's where the the met- metabolism was going awry. So it was not only the fact of multi-causal causalness, but it was also the nature of the micro uh, microscopic um, alteration of tissue that was a, that 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 was part of the newness of why well, how people could understand this. They could they could, they be and you I, I think you said that that Dr. Bredesen was the one who put his put his finger on that 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 there was that that it was the causes were not only these macro causes but there was this micro level of of cellular health and well-being that that was the you know, the broken dna that the, the the cellular debris and things like that 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 was a, a big factor in terms of this disease so maybe you could start to tell our listeners a little bit about that particular piece because i think that that's again one of the one of the pieces of information that if you really understand or you come to grips see what that really means then you can begin to appreciate the 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 potential necessity of being as as thoroughgoing as your book sort of advises us to be in other words to be so you know attentive to the blood pressure so attentive to the the various elements of of these markers because the 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 breakdown of the nerve tissue uh, happens easily and readily in in the midst of many many different processes. So talk a little bit about that that micro. Uh, I guess it's the word would be mic- micro microbial level at the tissue level d- distress that that is is behind this disease. Okay, so I think the word that you're trying to come up with, or that I would attach to all this, is a, a key word to thinking about all this, and it's the it's the the word neurodegeneration, which we talked about as the cause of yes, neurodegeneration. Yeah, duh. yeah, neurodegeneration. Exactly. What that is is on a microscopic level. Right. We 
look at nerve cells and they break down, they stop functioning and then they die. The, the other side of that particular coin, and it's an important, the most important one in this whole set of ideas, is neuroregeneration. And neuroregeneration is just the opposite. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's telling a nerve cell to stop degenerating and it's telling it to grow back or it's saying we will replace you. And um, neuro, neuro uh, regeneration is both helping sick nerve cells heal and get well, or if they're beyond the point where they can be healed, uh, helping them die and then replacing them. Right. So neuro regeneration is a, is a big deal. And a lot of research was done on this subject of neuro regeneration about 20 years ago, and it was all accessible uh, to Dr. Bredesen as a neurologist. And um, what, what he did was address the causes of neuro degeneration. The various testing measures that he uh, came up with would look at, and the ones that I recommend, the same ones that I recommend, exactly the same ones, would find the causes of damage to the nerve cell. And that's what all those things are. When I went down the list, low vitamin D, low vitamin B, elevated blood sugar, elevated cholesterol, hypertension, toxic metal exposures, gut microbiome disruption, all these things cause neurodegeneration. There's absolutely no question about this. There's thousands of research studies showing it. And so uh, it seems pretty obvious that if you sat down and identified these causes in a given patient and reversed them, that they better. problem was the drug companies are off looking for their monotherapy drug that doesn't exist, and other researchers are publishing papers that are showing parts of the picture, but it's so almost impossible to to do everything that a single patient needs at once. But Bredesen actually did it. He, he, he uh, assembled a group of other doctors, and they together came up with this uh, uh, approach of identifying every single, I mean, it's his idea, but he worked with other doctors who knew more about were you Were you part of that group? No, I wasn't. Uh -huh. I wish I would have been. But, uh -huh. um, okay. Uh, what, the minute I saw what they had done, I knew I understood it exactly. And in, in a sense, I was doing that same piecework in my practice. I was treating all these things, but I didn't really. And I and I knew I could see brain and function improvement in patients, but I wasn't really looking at it as a researcher. I was just trying to help my patient get better. Right. Right. Exactly. We're talking to Dr. Timothy Smith and his wonderful new book called Reversing Alzheimer's, How to Prevent Dementia and Revitalizing Your Brain. I think a very important book, and we're delighted to have uh, Tim with us today. So we need to take another break, but we'll be back with you very briefly. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Health Matters. Dr. Ned Hoke today joined by Dr. Timothy Smith and talking about his book, Reversing Alzheimer's. So we were talking about what uh, Dr. Bredesen showed in terms of his his work and of course how the people at UCSF and probably other places they look at what he what they say he wrote at least as I read recently in online anyway they say well he all he did was have case studies he didn't do he didn't do uh, uh, gold standard gold standard trials and uh, and he, he, they said well and they also s s snark snarkily said well 
He also published in public access journals, which are not peer-reviewed. So the the modern community is really um, <laughs> kind of not not giving him much room in terms of his his uh, his discoveries here. So, Tim, how is that? How is the how is the modern medicine, conventional modern medicine world? How are they dealing with you on this topic, and and what sort of pushing back, are, if any, are you getting? You know, it varies a lot. I we uh, um, it's a difficult question to answer because there has been all different levels of of uh, everything from flat out disbelief. I I asked uh, asked uh, Dr. Dean Ornish to write a a testimonial for my book, and uh-huh. he wrote me back and said he thought that it was irresponsible for me and Dr. Bredesen to be talking about reversing Alzheimer's. Wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I dropped that one, but then, you know, <laughs> others, as you, you would see on the cover of the book, uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, Rudolph Tanzi, who's the neurologist at Massachusetts General Hospital and a, a author along with Deepak Chopra of a number of excellent books, one of which is... Uh, Super genes, and and he he wrote me back a letter. He looked at my book and he said, he wrote back and he said, you know, I don't want to give false hope, and so I'm not going to write a testimonial for you. And then, uh, then he a couple weeks later, he looked, he picked the book up again and read it a little more carefully, and he wrote me back to his credit and said, you know, I was wrong. I'm going to write a testimonial for you. Wow, wow. And, uh, so you know, so it's and it it's it's um, he says uh, in this wonderful new book, Dr. Timothy Smith emphasizes that you are your own best healthcare advocate when it comes to saving off Alzheimer's disease. Wow! He reminds us that the choices we make every day about our lifestyle will play a huge role in determining our future brain health. More importantly, he expertly guides you on how to make those choices. So you know. So that I, I think what that the, the take-home message from all that is that I think scientists are open-minded. I think people are open-minded, and the, the knee-jerk reflex, especially in the medical profession, is to oh no, that can't be. They've, they've seen Alzheimer's not be curable for so long. Right. So it's like like when I looked at Dr. Brennison's paper that first time when we were talking about, and I, I looked at it and I thought. He had this right. I mean, Alzheimer's is incredible. I had to revamp my thinking about it too. It happened really fast because I understood what he had been doing. But, but I, you know, it takes a while. So, I, you know, it's very disappointing. The Alzheimer's Association, another way to answer that question, is absolutely a, a roadblock in progress. They're they're blocking the road to the future, and. Uh, problem is because a lot of money from big pharma is supporting them uh so so you know it's it's a mixed bag and it's my job in life these days to try to get the word out that alzheimer's is reversible it's it's not fiction it's real we can do it and we can prevent 99 percent of cases of alzheimer's if we start early enough wow well it seems to me like this could be one of those pbs things that you know, the guy stands up in front of a <laughs> a wall of pictures and 
and probably in your case it would be you know brains and a little picture of Dr. Alzheimer's and the other and then Tim Smith could tell us over an hour, an hour we could and we could also contribute to PBS if you know what I'm getting at because um, yes. yes. it it does seem like I guess I would love to that to happen because I, I guess it, has there been any talk in that direction? Uh, not yet, but uh-huh. always hope. You, you <laughs> can. Okay, well, coming coming back again to the to the to the book itself. Um, the again, we're, we're, we've got three parts, or right, that four parts to the book, and well, I mean, and so it's it's we sort sort of just to dip in and out of different places of it. Um, let's see. Look here, the. Um, the, the okay one of the things that occurred to me was is that we are in the middle of climate change and and all the things that are going on with climate change in terms of the the the, the, the powers of of the fire the excess heat that the fire represents in terms of the heat well it turns out the high carbon diet seems to be like if you want to talk in chinese medicine terms it's more fire excess fire yeah. and it's it and so in a sense it seemed to me almost that just in standing back kind of in a general way, the time we're in, in terms of the climate science, this is the perfect time to kind of come to grips with Alzheimer's as well because as a heat caused disease, because uh, so much of what you write about and, and, and is germane to the, and, and of course is germane to general medicine as well, the recognition that, that fire is our is is our is our problem? You know, we've got in, we've got excess inflammation as the basis of, of of many many of the modern diseases. Now, in your coconut oil chapter, which you are very vigorous about, in terms of the and you also talk about the the coconut being a clean green energy. So again, sort of staying with the climate uh, metaphor there. So maybe we should talk. We should get into some of the pieces of the the therapeutics of this. And so maybe it, and an, uh, maybe we could either you could think of a sample c- a c- a client that you could mention or talk about some of the pieces of it. Because we've talked briefly about it, but uh, talk about you know there's the what what the dietary changes are involved, and also I'm I'm, I'm wondering here a little bit the cause because because first you got to do the you got to do the biomarker test. So maybe we should do the biomarkers a little bit too. Let's. Let's talk about what a biomarker testing is, and kind of how th- how strongly determinative that it, that is in terms of the the direction that you give to your patients. Maybe you can start there with it, if you would. Okay. Well, I've I've when I was talking about cholesterol B complex vitamin D, I, I was talking about those other biomarkers. Right. Those are the biomarkers. So right. we have already discussing them, and uh, they're they're all listed in the book. I could. I could run down the list. Well, right but now. you've got some other ones there too. But and and, and and aren't aren't you talking about the comprehensive digestive stool analysis uh, thing? And that's for the microbiome. And and I guess I guess I, I'm not not so much asking you to list all of them, but you might choose one or two other ones that are not sort of the standard ones that people would maybe not ordinarily ask their physician to assist them about. Okay. Well, it's it's pretty simple. They fall into three or four basic categories. The, the first category would be blood tests. And blood tests, uh, are, uh, almost all of them are things that your your doctor wouldn't have a problem with doing. Um, or, as I said, you could order it yourself through directlabs.com. Right. The, the, and those tests are uh, blood fasting blood sugar, a complete blood count, 
a uh, homocysteine level, which is a way, as I said, of getting a look at B-complex, whether there's enough B-complex. Vitamin D, and it's 25-hydroxy vitamin D that we look at. Uh, and um, that's it for blood tests. That, they're, they're all list, they're listed in the book. You don't have to write that all down. There's right, a right. sample test at the back of the book, and in those testing chapters, they're all listed. Right. Second category, which, and uh, third and fourth, are slightly different, slightly specialized tests, but you can still do them on your own. Uh, oh, I should have mentioned the blood pressure. You, you could take your own blood pressure with a blood pressure machine, or you can go down to CDS and check it that way. Sure. It, so then the next category is sleep apnea, and you, there are now home sleep apnea tests. But sleep apnea is, uh, uh, most people probably don't know what it is, so I'll explain it. Please. It has to do with, there, many people have this. A high percentage of older people have it. Um, it's higher in overweight people, but it's high in everybody some extent and so so and what it is is there are pauses in the breathing and that the, the, the key to whether a person has sleep apnea is if they snort or snore they almost certainly have sleep apnea and you want to uh, if, if you do have sleep apnea it's very damaging to the brain it's very damaging to the to the entire body uh, because the body thinks that it's suffocating and it goes into a kind of a freak out high stress mode and it stays there so and sleep apnea is easy to cure with a CPAP machine and there's some very nice advancements in the CPAP technology that make it much easier to use uh, so so that's the second uh, or third test and then the, the next one is the if the gut microbiome is disrupted and the gut microbiome is bugs that live in our gut uh, contribute about 90% of the genes that we use for our functioning, everyday functioning, and the, and so the, the, the types of bugs that live in our intestinal tract, it's really important that they be healthy ones, and people who have a lot of glass, gas and bloating and upset stomachs, heartburn, uh, constipation or loose stools, anything that they're just feeling that things aren't right in digestion or food allergies, all those things point to disruption of the micro, of the gut microbiome, of those, those bugs that live in the gut. And if that's happening, it's really, really hard on the brain. It's very clear. Uh, uh, Dr. Hoke mentioned Dr. Perlmutter's books on that subject. He wrote a book called Grain Brain, another one called uh, Brain Makers, in which he talks about the gut microbiome and how it has an adverse effect on on healthy cognitive functioning and, and really does damage the brain and it's pretty easy to fix and there's a whole chapter on this in the book you can get the details by taking a look at that the, and then the final testing is hair mineral analysis we use a little sample of hair and send it off to there are a number of labs that do it I like doctors data but there are a number of other good labs and they look for toxic minerals in the hair and the, the ones that we're most concerned about are mercury lead cadmium and aluminum and there are sections in the chat in the toxic metal chapter in the book that describe those metals and why they're a problem and what to do about it, where it comes from, and what to do about it. And and it's one simple, inexpensive test. You send off a little sample of hair, and they take a look at it. And and, and this and for our listeners who I mean I've, I've a 
lot of my customers, when they came in, my clients came in, and I said, well, let's do a hair analysis to them. And they said, oh, that's just a, uh, a, a sort of a, a fad thing that doesn't really amount to anything. And so there, there's been, I don't know what the history of hair, hair analysis is, but it turns out that hair analysis has actually got a lot of good science to it and that, and that you really can see, in fact, what the body is stored up in terms of these minerals, these um, these toxic minerals and and yes. so the the and the issue of toxicity generally is one that again has gotten a lot of press in terms of uh, there's a lot of book about books out there about you know how to take care of the various parts of the toxicity issue that people are living with and yet I mean I have to believe that that you believe Tim as well that part of what we're dealing with in modern life is a toxic soup and that so that this is not a maybe thing. This is the thing of, of of almost universality. I mean, it it turns out that that most of us, at one level or another, are having some struggle with some toxin of one sort or another, and whether or not and how strongly that's influencing our our immediate situation in terms of our well-being is maybe not too immediately available or, or critical to us. But what I think you're telling us, Tim, in this book, is that any of these potential toxin creating things like the microbiome and and uh, other other of other issues that that the toxicity created by that is is the very stuff that the body is having a hard time getting rid of and so what you're writing and telling us about in this book is that paying attention to that very acutely is is kind of job number one really absolutely uh, the 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 Metabolic imbalances that are picked up on these biomarker tests are often caused by toxicity in the environment. We can't really, there's so much in, in the air and water and food that we're exposed to every day that you can't possibly find it all and remove it all. Right. Take certain basic steps. Uh, the first one is to get tested because it, it will throw things off like, like vitamin levels and other, other other markers. And so when you fix the marker, and adopt the dietary recommendations that I make, you're, you're solving the problem. And so really what you're talking about is moving on to diet is the biggest source of exposure to toxins is in the foods that we eat. So it's really important to eat very clean, whole, fresh foods and to uh, eat organic if you possibly can available and if you can afford it it's best to eat organic because then you have a much better uh, you know much cleaner food it's important to stay away from fast foods and processed foods and packaged foods of all kinds that have been altered in the manufacturing process so and there's a, a lot on that in the book and well Mike, michael pollan has, has given us a, a, a great uh, uh, a uh, group, group body of of thought on this. It talks about uh, food like substances, and he has it seems to have a sense of humor about it. But he recognizes that it turns out that that all that these things really are are actually junk, and they are literally are junking up our system. And so, uh, uh, no, the, the 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 difficulty. We're talking about additives, preservatives, uh, emulsifiers. Pesticides, stabilizers, nitrates. Uh, there's a there's a long list. What what I found the simplest way to avoid them, I think, is to read labels. 
because uh, it'll all it, it, the, the, all these little additives won't be there. But if you see a lot of ingredients, uh, then you know there, that that there's a problem. Right. If you see two or three or four ingredients, then there's, it's unlikely that there's a problem. Right. Well, now. This whole world of neuroplasticity, of course, has gotten a lot of press in the last few years. And, of course, so now most of our listeners, I'm sure, have, have at least read in terms of the theory that, that, that the brain is regenerative and so on. So what, what this book does is to shows us, it gives us the how-to. And so, uh, so while, while we have this now in the public domain, we have the recognition of the neuroplasticity and the, and the, uh, the ability of the, of the nervous to regenerate. Now with this book, we have some tools, that hands-on tools that, that you and I and everyone can take advantage of and, and really try to get ahead of our, the, the, the potential for our neurodegenerative processes. Now, Tim, it, you're, you're advising a low-carbohydrate kind of ketogenic kind of diet. Maybe we should talk a little bit about that. And uh, is, is, pr is it pronounced autophagy? Autophagy. Autophagy, thank you. So autophagy. let's, so, so let's. Can I say a, just a little bit more about the subject you were just on? Please. The, the, um, we talked about neurogenesis and neuroregeneration. I, I actually used the word neuroregeneration, but neurogenesis is kind of the same thing. It's the re, what you were talking about. Nerve cells can replenish themselves, and right. most people know that now, and it was a recent discovery. So what causes neurogenesis is a key thing, and it's a hormone called BDNF. Ah, right, yeah. Brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And BDNF is a key hor neurohormone that we all make, and what it does is it, it turns on that neuroregeneration. And so, and so there are, there's a whole chapter on this in the book, and it's, uh, there's a section about how to increase your BDNF level. So we can we can so we can cultivate it. What you're saying? So yeah, the, 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 exactly. The whole uh, and it's it's something that is easy to do and maybe even fun, like Michael Pollan would make it. <laughs> right. I mean, when I when I eat blueberries, I eat a couple of blueberries every day. Blueberries is at the top of my list of BDNF generators. Mm -hmm. And um, at, at, another thing that's at the top of the list is at the very top of the list is exercise and it doesn't have to be heavy duty uh, workout uh, walking is is good uh, jogging if you're younger walking if you're older uh, every day uh, generates a huge amount of BDNF in fact so much that a, a, a professor Kirk Erickson at the University of Pittsburgh did this study on older people and he showed that people that walk every other oh, just every other day I recommend every day but every other day their their brain they produce so much BDNF that the, their brains increase their size by two percent a year, and that's one of the things you put you point out in your book about just this the, the brain literally shrinks. Yes, it shrinks because it's not getting enough BDNF. Right. So um, other things that, that stimulate the production of BDNF are are walnuts and there's long list of foods here. Uh, the ketogenic diet that I talk about uh, also in autophagy, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, the supplement lithium, uh, DHA, which is the, the uh, fish oil-derived uh, essential fatty acids, flaxseed oil or fish oil. Uh, coconut oil also increases BDNF. 
And and you know this this some of this may scare some of our listeners if they if they're taking let's say they read this book and they start to take pretty seriously what you're saying and they consider all these different elements that they're possibly going to begin to add into their life stream and um, so not all of them are pills of course but a good there's a fair amount of that and there's also a fair amount of very very specific uh, uh, nutrient uh, supports and so. Uh, I, I guess as I as I was reading the book, I was I was scratching my head. I was wondering, given that there's, uh, at least in my experience as a practitioner, and the people come in and they say to me all the time, they say, "Well, you're not going to start giving me a bunch of pills, are you? A bunch of nutritional supplements?" And they're going to snarl at me a little bit, you know. And so, um, and I say, "Well, I, you know, if we need something, we're gonna, we need it, and that's what it is, you know." But at the same time, I I get a fair amount of pushback on supplements, and so. But you don't have any, <laughs> you don't have any restraint. I mean, in, in the sense of oh. you're you're using what you need to use. So, but that that does involve quite a, a fair number of new things to take, and um, so that might. Uh, I mean, I'm just curious how that's actually going to work out for a lot of people. Well, yeah, there's no denying that that the that there are many supplements that help produce more BDNF and that also help the brain in other ways. Right. And uh, I talk about them and talk about how they work and what they do. The, but a lot of it can be food and uh, is food. Uh, uh, for instance, green tea. We can either take it in pills or we can drink green tea. It has the same brain function, cognitive enhancing effect either way. Right. And, and polyphenol-containing foods are long with polyphenols are certain type of chemical compound that's present in lots of different kinds of foods. That's often the, the things that give vegetables and fruits color, or the purples and yellows and blues. And right. So, so those, those foods can be eaten selectively. The uh, nuts and seeds are, uh, you know, also full of healthy fats, and coconut oil is something we can cook with. So, so... I'm just trying to say that I think ideally there are one would have to take, especially if someone were trying to reverse Alzheimer's and they were in the in the mid stage or or earlier earlier mid stage of Alzheimer's, they would need to uh, ideally they would have to be able to take capsules and right and, right. So but, that so that they can be, 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 people 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 yeah people can get used to it people can get used to it but at the same time I can say my experience has been in recent years that there's been, I mean, there's been a lot of years that in the supplement, after all, after Orrin, after Orrin Hatch's supplement bill that passed through Congress, I can't remember the name of the bill itself, but yeah. the one that, that authorized the a, a huge... D-H-S-E-A, I think it was Dietary Health and Supplement Right, Education. right. That, that made available all sorts of uh, high, high-volume supplements that then you know, came on the market rather quickly, and a lot of people have taken a lot of supplements and, and have scratched their head of, am I really getting anywhere with all this stuff kind of stuff? So it's... What, it, so what you have to do is look at it this way. You, you do what you can do. I re that no, no one could do everything I recommend in the book. My, my <laughs> Good. Is, I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah. It's, it's not possible. It's just there's too many things. But what you can do is, and I try to give the information that's necessary to make these kind of decisions, is look at, look at the information, decide which one's best for you, which one's most appropriate for you, and decide how many pills 
or capital as you're willing to handle a day. Right. Maybe for three, it might be twenty. It's it varies for a lot from one person to another, and then just stay within that those boundaries. And if, if uh, you know, you can only do what you can do. Very much of it can be done without without the supplements. The actual ways of eating, and again, we're going to talk about autophagy, the low carb diet, low sugar diet. Yeah, we do. Uh, we we do. We we do. We do have to get to that. Uh, we're almost out of time, so we need to do that. To, to roll Can I right. Just say what autophagy is. It's 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 limiting the number of hours you consume food to twelve or less a day, and what that means is that it usually includes sleep time in that twelve hours that you're not eating. So you're fasting twelve to fourteen hours a day. You can do it any way you want as long as it's that many hours, and basically during that time the body can clean up and fix things up and repair and replenish and recycle and re, re, repurpose. Uh, it, it basically heals and regenerates, and if you don't give it that extra time to do that, it's hard on the brain. And it's been shown that, uh, and this is not a harebrained scheme, it's a heavily studied, there are tens of thousands of research studies on, on autophagy showing that this uh, intermittent fasting, daily intermittent fasting that we're describing has a powerful effect on brain health. And it makes sense. If you give the brain cells a chance, time to clean up and repair and don't put more, don't force them to deal with more incoming foods for a while, that, that's a, a big deal. So, and that doesn't require any pills at all. Well, and it turns out, of course, if you step back a little bit and, and look at medical history as such, the whole idea of fasting is, is an ancient idea. And it, it's, it's this is not a this is not a new a new idea. This is but what what's what I think uh, Dr. Dr. Smith is telling us about is that it's been studied and articulated down to where instead of these elaborate nine day fasts that you might do if you were a Hindu or something rather here here we he, you can do by just limiting the the number of hours that you actually are consuming food. The, the the time off then gives your body that that rest period that that chance for rest, re, uh, restoration. So let's. It's pretty easy to skip breakfast. Right, right. Stop eating, say, at 9 o'clock at night or so, and then just skip breakfast, and you're there. Right. Now, now the keto, now the the low carb diet, we do need to spend at least a minute or two on that. Okay. Well, it's been shown that uh, blood, well, there's a lot of ways of coming at this. Uh, High blood sugars, and by high, I mean over 90, which is uh, not, uh, your average doctor may has a higher cutoff point, but the research clearly shows when the blood sugar gets, fasting blood sugar, when it gets over 90, yeah, you start getting brain damage, and the, all the reasons for that happening are in my, my book. But uh, eating a low-carb diet is uh, the way to fix that and to prevent it from happening. About half of people over the age of 50 have what's called the metabolic syndrome, which is pre-diabetes weight gain around the middle and high blood pressure and this other signs. And so what, what the, and that's caused by consuming too many carbs for too long. The, the insulin receptors on the surface of our cells break down and can't process the sugars properly and the blood sugar goes up as a result of it and that causes damage to the blood vessels and is a cause of the vascular dementia we were talking about earlier that in the brain, the blood vessels start getting plaque, and then the plaque breaks, and you get a hemorrhage, and you've got a stroke. Right. So, so, uh, 
often blood pressure will go up along with that, so the blood pressure adds to the problem. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see my story, which is about exactly that, it happened to me, and it got my attention, uh, there's a whole chapter on that. Mm-hmm. The- mm-hmm. Well, Tim, we've, we've just smacked dab right out of time, and it's, it's, there's so much more that we could talk about, but this is, this is such an important topic. And, I, and as I say, I think you so effectively hold the hand of your reader through the, 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 very, the specific details, the, 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 the factors, the so-called causative factors that are, are relevant to, the, to the, the, the issue of dementia and, and, and Alzheimer's. But also, as I said, I think this is a, this is a health book about well-being. This is about the enhancement of, of life, the life form itself. And so even if one doesn't, didn't have or wasn't, wasn't primarily concerned, at least in the immediate term with, with Alzheimer's, the, the, the guidance that you provide and the, the suppositions that you make in this book are so appropriate to the situation we face in life today. So, Tim, it's, well, been, a, it's, it's been a real pleasure to visit with you after all these years, and, and thank you for taking the time for us in Health Matters. Yes, thank you, too. And if people want more information, my website is timsmithmd.com. Ab- absolutely. I'm sorry I didn't talk about that earlier. Okay. timsmithmd.com. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.